This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. Tommy, this one was your idea. I'm just throwing that out there. Why? So if people don't like it, they're going to blame me? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Uh, I never really taught this. Like, I, I literally had to like go out there and like research this because it's like black magic before I, I click this record button. Well, in, in case you're wondering what Peter's calling black magic, I figured, you know, we're talking about a lot of these historical events, but none of these happen if humanity doesn't really come to be the way it does. So we're going to look a little bit in the prehistory, some of these um, human ancestors, um, some of the early forms of human, and then that eventually become what is Homo sapien, sapien, and then we'll talk about some of like some of the first the neolithic revolution and some of these first civilizations more or less like ideas more of a first civilizations that rise up and um, some fail some rise up thriving and that really becomes you know the human race as, as we know it so we're just going to dive in a little bit of this I, I taught world history quite a bit obviously I, the teachers in my department now teach a lot of world history so there's a lot to go over so this is just some of this interesting information i found that even when i was younger a lot of this stuff i found very interesting so, i don't think so, i've ever taught this actually so I don't think I've ever so, told this topic. Pete, you're like ron swanson you think history starts in 1776 <laughs> which would be uh, more something i would say more than you but like i know this is like the roles are reversed <laughs> but yeah we're talking about first humans and you know prehistory these are human subspecies right the yep. human that's what we're going to talk about that share a very close genetic makeup to us that, that whole missing link that's why changes is there a missing link what is a missing link whatever that's not what we're dealing with we're going to talk about some of these human subspecies what we know about them how they got their names some of the more famous uh skeletal remains i guess which have some interesting stories to them also and we just uh, go from there because scientists recognize between 15 and 20 different species what they call early humans but they don't really all agree about how these species are related or which ones simply died out which ones maybe did evolve um at a certain time they believe there was more than one so we were actually thinking about that you know there's like different types of like alligators and crocodiles or you know eagles there's there were different types of humans at the same time i'm not talking about ethnic background but genetically you know, similar but different humans, which is crazy to think about. All right. So the first humans, as we know, emerged in Africa, right? About 2 million years ago. Give or take. The designation of Homo emerged as like the Homo sapien, Homo agister, Homo erectus, all these different ones that you're going to hear us talking about. And by the way, Homo uh, means in Latin means man. So that's kind of anything human, any human that belongs to the genus Homo basically belongs to the genus in Latin of man. Could be always be earlier ones um, discovered. And there's always more they learn about them from other finds that they make, other archaeological finds that they make. Because all this is here is trying to put pieces together. It's, it's a mystery too. Like uh, paleontology, when you're studying these like ancient artifacts and just bones and tools and some of these that make tools or civilization, you're studying what's left behind. There's no one around. There's no written text from this time. Right, you're studying just the remains and trying to piece things together from that. All right, so one of the earliest known humans, Tom, is what? One of the earliest ones, or this one's in the Homo. Uh, it's not. It's not under the designation of Homo, but it is considered one. Was uh, Australopithecus, and one of the most complete, one of the most famous 
skeletons, if anyone is into archaeology, they're going to know this, is a um, skeleton known as Lucy. Mm -hmm. And it was named Lucy because the archaeologists, when they were uh, digging for it in Ethiopia, were listening to the Beatles songs, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And then they found this skeleton remains. And it's a pretty complete, it's from three point, they raised at about 3.2 million years ago. It was discovered November 24th, 1974. And it's about 40% complete, which is a big number to have something 3.0 million years old. And 40% of it is complete. And what they were able to know about this Orthopithecus is it was a non-hominid type of ape, all right? It was bipedal, had a walking gait. It walked upright, very similar to humans and other hominids, which human, which later humans become part of. It did have an increased brain size also for a lot of the other species that rounded us at this time. But there was some conflicting reports. And as of 2016, what I was reading is that a lot of, um, it's still debated whether or not how tree-dwelling Orthopithecus was. But they think that the being able to be bipedal and standing upright, one of the first hominids to do that, it was... It was still not very particularly tall, they don't think, but it was tall enough to see over the um, savanna. Yeah, what I was looking at, like the actual dimensions of Lucy, uh, it said that she was about three and a half feet tall and yeah. only weighed 60 pounds as a yeah. fully mature grown up. And they do and think she was fully mature because, she did, because they could tell that they believe she gave birth. Yeah, and she was 15 on, or 16, I think, yeah. based on, you know, after yeah. the discovery of her bones, that's what they figured out. I saw what I found about her death was that they said that highly likely she fell out of a tree. Yeah. Um, so this, again, we don't know, I mean, this is, you know, millions of years ago, but the idea is that apparently this is a story to put together. She must have been looking for some fruit or something and, and it wound up probably climbing up a tree. And then she fell toward the ground at about, again, this is a crazy idea. They could figure this out about 35 miles per hour and hit her feet first. And then the impact actually punched through her body and created fractures all throughout her body, uh, which ultimately led to her death. It's interesting, actually beyond interesting, that we could figure this out from bones. Yeah, it's crazy because they did find some like molar marks on her bones, but they think that happened like after her death. Like so animals came and like scavenged on her and stuff. But again, how can they figure out that it was after her death, not before death? And that's just with carbon dating, they were able to do these things. But they've been, you know, CT scanning her and stuff like that, all these different like ways now using modern technology on it, just getting more and more. And I think Discovery Channel years ago did like a reconstruction of her, like what she would have looked like, yeah. what Orthopithecus would have looked like. And they made a whole like series on it. Remember they did years ago, they did like Walking with Dinosaurs with the whole like Jurassic Park craze. And remember they did another special like Walking with like Ancient Humans. And as they did, would show all the different ones and stuff like that, which I thought, again, at the time, yeah, <laughs> um, I was teaching this, so I thought it was really interesting. I remember talking with the other teachers about it. We have a couple in my department that are really big into this. I mean, we could probably get rid of the first myth here that dinosaurs and human beings lived at the same time. Yeah, so something that, very, that I used to always stress to my students on the first couple of days of prehistory was that the Flintstones is not historical fact. Yeah. You know, they were not around at the same time. There was no Stone Ages. Millions of years, there are no dinosaurs around or anything like that. You know, Homo erectus, Homo agister, right? Orthopithecus, they never saw dinosaurs and things of that. They did see woolly mammoths, right? We'll talk, we can talk about that. Certainly, yeah, and you know, saber tooth, saber tooth tigers. Yeah. You want to see those sorts of things, but there were not, they weren't rotting triceratops or pterodactyls to anything like that. Like, they're no, <laughs> it's just, yeah, no, it, it didn't happen. So, where do we move next? Homo erectus, Homo agister, Homo. Well, which one was the first one? Right, so Habilis right, meets Handyman, right? The, yeah, one, handyman of the earliest known ones was happening. One of the earliest ones, and it's called that because they know for a fact it used tools. They know other ones may have used tools, 
but they know for a fact that homo habilis, which means handy human or handy man, definitely use tools in some way, shape, or form. And they live in uh, eastern or southern Africa. Actually, most of them, all of these things, yeah, yeah, most of these early humans did live and or around Africa. So, and because they use, so this is something to understand. So they used the tools, right? They did use stone tools. So this is the beginning of a lot of historians argue this is the beginning of the Stone Age, right? Because we know Homo habilis is using tools, and where they're using tools for mostly what they're using. Because again, they were these were not particularly tall. All right, we're looking at mm-hmm. females and males about like three and a half feet, you know, maybe four feet, seventy-seven pounds to one hundred eighty-two pounds for a male. So these weren't huge. Um, so very childlike for modern humans, right? But they did know how to use tools, and what that made them use is they used them for butchering, and what they would really not so much hunting. They use them more for butchering where they were actually go to the scraps and scrape off the meat from what was left from a saber-toothed tiger kill or something like that, right? And then because of that, they know that they were the first ones that we know probably consumed high qualities of meat from what we could tell from their bones and stuff that. Mostly scavenged meat, but again, high amounts of meat. And we know that by eating more meat, they're getting more protein, which is then allowing their brain to grow more. So this is the beginning of the human species consuming more meat, sorry to the vegans out there, nothing against that, but you know, back in the savannah, eat what you can find, right? But it was actually increasing the uh, protein and then the brain size, which then over time is going to lead to some of these other species of man popping up, which are then going to, you know, basically be bigger, smarter, and it's going to con- that's going to continue on. And we should also mention that the reason we know a lot of this stuff is because archaeologists and different findings. For example, this particular one and how much we know about this group stems from one specimen that was found. It was called Johnny's Child. Was found in uh, between 1960 and 1963 in Tanzania. So and they, yeah, they think they probably acted very similar to like uh, chimps and baboons for the most part. They're no. very similar, similar to that. But their diet, but the fact that they were eating meat, that's really what really started to change them. And what they kind of lead to is probably one of the, another one of the big ones, which is Homo erectus. That's one that I think more people probably know. Again, around two million years ago, all right, mm-hmm. with some of the first uh, ones, some of the first species, and uh, there was actually probably a population of Homo erectus they found in Java around 117,000 years ago. Less than 250,000 years ago, they were still around. So again, they had more of a modern gait, more modern body proportions. Um, They still had mostly covered in body hair, but not as much as like Lucy or some of the other ones. Uh, If you think of like a caveman, it's kind of what you're looking at when you're looking at um, Homo erectus. But they were the first one, they were fully upright. Again, males and females were still very similar in size. You didn't have this change that you see now or that you're going to see later on with their there's a big difference in like the size that males typically are bigger. That, that's not totally what you have yet, but, but they do believe that Homo erectus was starting to develop being an apex predator. They were actually, because of using stone tools and a lot more and spears and stuff like that. And then one of the first earliest humans that were capable of using fire, which is a crazy thing when you think about it, that fire piece. I read about a lot what was unique about all these human species is that most species have this inert fear of fire for the most part, right? But humans yeah. or these early humans were actually fascinated by fire or at least were attracted to fire. There's a few, I'm reading about like lions, if lions are like attracted to fire, scared of fire. But the most part, once it's like they feel in the heat, they're going to back off unless, you know, they're cold, but they're not going to be able to like grab it and use it. Humans, Homo erectus, they believe maybe possibly was even making fire, which was a big deal. When they can make fire and then they're going to start cooking meat. Now they're, now they're killing disease in the meat. So this is going to make the meat even better, right? They're not eating raw meat. What I also read is the fact that it led to them being healthier and living longer, yeah. which also led to them having overpopulation in certain areas. And which, a larger population, which is then going to affect the wildlife, but also because they also were in these um, communal groups, like what, yep. we would, like what we would think of like tribes, more or less. 
And it, but oftentimes, this also eventually is what leads them. These overpop, this overpopulation is what leads them to start having some form of agriculture down the line. Where prior to that, they're just mostly hunters and gatherers. Yeah, not, they're not planting things. No, they're no, not, no, they're, yeah, they're, no. They're not there. But they did, um, you know, they did vary in size themselves. I did see with them, and you start seeing, I think with Homo erectus, you know, you see it with a lot of the other later humans too, is you see bones that healed. Yeah. And they're like, all right, so they say, how can they learn these things from bones? Well, these bones from healed, if, you know, if animals today, if they break a bone, that's it, they're done. They're going to get eaten, you know, they're going to die. But if the fact that these bones healed, that's how they know that, like, that there'd be other Others are caring for them in some way. We're not saying that they don't have hospitals. They weren't like set in the bones, but they would be injured. And then people would, they would bring them food. They would nurse them back to health while the bone healed. And the fact that they had time for the bone to heal, that just shows that there was some sort of like communal aspect with all of this. Well, I think the next one that we can probably have a pretty good discussion on um, would be one that's like debate on where they are, what happened with them and stuff like that. And that's going to be, um, homo neanderthalus or neanderthal, right? I'm sure you've heard of this one before. Yeah. All right. And these things were like, if you think of like the stone age and you think of like how like everything was bigger, right? Like the saber tooth lion, saber tooth tiger, the woolly mammoth. Okay. Think of like the stone age movie, right? With the giant sloths and stuff like that. Giganthopithecus, the giant ape, all these giant things. Okay. There were giant humans too. If you wish you had one of these on your football team. Right. And these were the Neanderthals. And there's a huge dispute about when they went extinct or something that were they a subspecies? Were they simply a, another species? Right. Because there's all these different beliefs. They used to believe that they were, they died out about 40,000 years ago, which is not that long. You think of like the span of humankind. There could yep. be some that, that died out even less than that. Yeah, but it all, apparently they lived from 400,000 to 40,000 oh, years ago. For, for a while, they were the apex predator on the planet yep. until the next group comes along. So yeah, there's uh, bones that date back over 430,000 years ago. So they're definitely there. Um, there's Neander Valley, which is in Germany, which is where they get their name from. And they're basically the caveman archetype. These guys were huge. And we know they was at one point probably a very big population um, of them, in particularly Europe, right? Europe, Eurasia. That general area. And They're also so, very distinct uh, characteristic of their facial expressions and yes, their facial more, structure. The cranium, was. right? Yeah. They said it was dominated by very big white uh, nose reconstructing. Yeah, it's it's the idea that they get the air in and the warm the bodies. They're saying they were big with storing fat. Because remember, they are the Ice Age. Think of them like the woolly mammoth of people. They had a very strong spine. Neck ver- their necks were thicker than ours. Much bigger head yeah. shape. Fairly smart too. That was a kind of like the, you saw. I remember you about the thumb as a Neanderthal and stuff like that. Saying no, Neanderthals, you know, they weren't as clueless as as something so they had tools they used spears and stuff that they knew how to use fire um they believe they might have had some form of language by judging their i thought this was fascinating by judging like their bones in their neck and like whatever they can tell they don't believe in how their jaw structure was is that they couldn't pronounce vowels that that's a complicated sound to make you know you learn in school a i o u all that stuff that there's if the Neanderthal somehow you bring them back today they just wouldn't be able to say those sounds we do take that for granted right be able to make sounds but uh they were primarily meat eaters and they have found very complete skeletons or near complete skeletons of Neanderthals do we know what happened to them there's debates probably the biggest thing is you have um competition and their competition obviously they're competing with like other big predators like the cave lions and leopards and stuff like that. But really their biggest competition, they believe probably comes from the next group, which is Cro-Magnon, otherwise known as Homo sapien sapien, which is us. 
right? Yep. And modern humans. So that they probably interacted somehow with modern humans. And there were, there, we know for a fact that there, oh, there were modern humans and Neanderthals lived in the same era at the same time. And that there was probably some interbreeding that happened too. I did right? see that. Although even that's contested. and That's contested. Yeah. yeah. I remember reading at first, they're saying, no, there's none. Now some people are saying there's as much as like um, one to 4% in some parts of the world in modern Eurasia, probably about seven, almost 8% of their DNA has is somehow Neanderthal DNA. Didn't they un- unlock, I read that somewhere, the uh, Neanderthal genome, not that long ago. Like 2017, 2018, they actually unlocked the Neanderthal genome. So they're able to see. So they know there was some interbreeding. There were hybrid Neanderthals, Homo sapiens out there at one point. But what probably led to their extinction was just interacting and being out-competed with by us. The Ice Age was kind of coming to an end. It was like that big fall going on, right? Woolly mammoths, which was one of their big things, was going extinct. They were following those herds. But really, they just couldn't adapt. They had their run. They couldn't adapt with modern humans. They believe modern humans and animals coexisted with each other for about 3,000 to 5,000 years. But mostly climate change probably changed them in the competition with modern humans. Um, they believe there was probably some disease, a lack of immunity to um, some of the new diseases that were popping up because of the... I saw that too. That yeah. They said because of inbreeding, highly likely it might have caused... Well, low genetic diversity, defects. yeah. It wasn't like a quick kill off. Oh yeah, there's thousands of years. Thousands of years that slowly started the way out. But it's still a debate about when was the last Neanderthal die off they all just kind of get bred into the population where they where they die out i remember my students i think kind of got kind of confused they thought there was like a war cro magnons and like yeah. neanderthals and they fought and like i'm like no that's not what happened it was just competition for resources and things like that a lot of times they probably did work together and then one could adapt more to the changing climate to the changing world and that was homo sapiens sapiens whereas neanderthals couldn't do that but I think it's kind of interesting if some people still have their DNA. That's still contested, which I guess they could figure out now they open up the genome. But I did see that some scientists say yes, other scientists um, argue not a chance. But it's interesting. What gets me is that every time we discover a new – or not They're constantly discovering new, yeah. By the time this podcast comes out, they're going to know more stuff. I was going to say, yeah, like it's just all ultimately a guess. I mean, it's an educated new, guess. New stuff being published, yeah. But because we're talking, somebody's the span of years here is like, you know, 500, 400,000 years and some, you know, millions of years. I feel like there's so many gaps that are missing that if they find one thing that happens in the, between these 20,000 years, boom, that kind of changes what we already know, right? Yeah, absolutely. Why did they call the Homo sapiens sapiens? That's just modern, modern. Well, Homo sapiens and Homo sapiens sapiens are the same thing. As Cro-Magnon, like if you take someone from that 12,000 years ago, let's say, or even longer, obviously, and you somehow go back in time, bring them here as a baby, you can raise them and they're going to be the same genetically. They're going to be the same, right? You're not going to have that with some of the others. Homo sapiens sapiens is just a modern human today. That's that's the designation. So it's Homo sapien sapiens to modern. It's a, it's a human today. And we have a lot of advantages so like of what we are. The big thing about humans, we are the best. We're not the fastest runners but we're the best distance runners on the planet. And that has to do because we sweat and it cools our bodies down, but we can keep that same speed, that same gait, like a, like the jog like and stuff like that. That's that's the best thing that humans can do. We're not the strongest, obviously. We're not the fastest, but as far as like longest distance runners, that's human beings. I guess we go into Stone Age, right? If Once you're at a Homo sapiens sapiens. There's different parts of Stone Age, right? You can argue that the Stone Age starts 2.6 million years ago when you have some of the earliest evidence of using of using tools. Really, the Stone Age doesn't end until the Bronze Age, which is about yeah. 3300 BC, more or less, right? Yeah. So it's broken into different periods. You have the Paleolithic period, the Mesolithic period, and the Neolithic period. So I guess we could talk about the Neolithic period. I think that's probably the big jump. Well, yeah, because I mean, the, the three major distinctions here is like Paleo became 
kind of popular lately because of the that's diet first stone age. craze. That's old Stone Age, yes. What we're talking about here is complete hunters and gatherers. So when you think of like paleo diet and you ask yourself a question like, what is considered paleo diet? If it was made through agriculture, it is not paleo. Paleo literally yeah. means like, I will pick something that is in the wild and or eat an yeah. animal. That's ultimately yeah. What you're eating about. meat. You're eating fish. I guess eggs, grass, right? Yep. Wild fruit, vegetables, seeds, nuts. Yeah, nothing like that's that. agriculturally produced. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're not, you're not just you're not eating a head of lettuce and no, stuff no, no. like that. But like, like um, dressing on it. <laughs> that's considered the old Stone Age, and about three hundred fifty thousand years ago. Then Meso is like the Middle Stone Age. The one major distinction I saw here is that. This is when the human beings first domesticated dogs. Did you see that? That was like an odd thing that popped well, up. Well, yeah. What they think is that they probably kept them around to like guard from other animals. Yeah. And that the dogs or the wolves, dogs, whatever you want to say they came from, right? They were basically just, they knew hanging around by the humans, they were going to get scraps. They would have fire, right? They'd be kind of protected. And that really starts, you know, man's best friend whole thing with, do- yeah. with dogs and animals. There's already humans were able to domesticate dogs. They have, will eventually lead to them domesticating other animals as well. A few things here too. Uh, in the original Paleolithic Stone Age, so 350,000 years ago, you still have the Homo habilis. Homo habilis, yeah. The tool makers. Then you have the fire makers or the Homo erectus. They're commonly known as the fire makers. And in the Neanderthals, they're kind of all still, and the modern humans, they're kind of still all there during this Paleolithic period. They're slowly funneling down to just the modern human, Homo sapiens sapiens. But they're originally, at the beginning of Stone Age, they're kind of all there in different regions. Yeah, because, yeah, these, these Stone Age things are, are thousands of years. Yeah. So it's not just like one ends and doesn't. And it's still, they're still debated when one ends and what's another. But you start seeing even some of these earlier, Neanderthal, um, obviously some of the early Homo sapiens, they're doing cave art, right? You've seen cave art yep. um, in the upper Paleolithic, it's called about 40,000 years ago. You start seeing these pop up in Europe, East Asia, Africa. All right, and they're showing like you know the hunts. They're showing early figures of man and female and stuff like that. So it's really interesting these these cave pictures and stuff like that. A lot of them are actually discovered if you remember Pete during World War II. Yeah, and people were hiding out in the caves and they kept going deeper and deeper to get away from the bombings and stuff. And they wind up seeing these cave paintings. They go, "Who did this?" You actually see handprints there too. These they would put their outlines right. of their hands. And again, and the Stone Age aspect comes from the fact that they were able to create they were created tools out of stone. That's really yeah, every, everything they made, if they made anything, it was made out of stone. From there, you basically go to the Neolithic period, which is the New Stone Age, which is about 5,000 years ago. And that one kind of bridges us a little closer to civilization, mainly because what happens in this one is the human beings start to settle down. Ultimately. Yeah, well, they realize that they can cultivate land right domesticate more animals which are eventually going to lead to like think of like they're not domesticating farm animals at this point but that's what it's going to lead to right pigs chickens cows horses all those things that you would see at like a farm i'll take the kids at a farm right that sort of stuff this is when that that like would start right that we can keep animals around herd them breed them themselves keep them alive through very and you know this trial and error here too obviously we can grow crops okay that's let's find which land is going to be the most fertile and they realize well, uh, some of the first civilizations, I know one of the first ones they um, have is a place called Katalhuic in, um, I think it's in modern day Turkey. And it's at the base of a volcano, which makes sense because volcanic soil is extremely nutrient rich, right? So they can they can grow crops there, no problem, because there's so much so much nutrients in the soil. There's an, some negative drawbacks from being so close to a volcano also, obviously. Uh-huh. Like when, uh-huh. when it erupts, that's the end of your city. So, you know, yeah. there's some trial and error. And then obviously that's when the Fertile Crescent, they go there. 
and start developing mostly by riverbeds. And that's where you see a lot of those ancient civilizations. They all start by bodies yep. of water, right? Because that's where, again, it's where the animals are. That's where you can grow the crops. So that's where the people are going to be. And that's where you start seeing. So often characterized as being nomads. Um, they move from place to place in search of food uh, before eventually they do wind up settling down near these these rivers. So farming begins this new stone age, you might say. that This is often called the Neolithic Revolution, right? Yes. That's the and major the art, change from hunting and gathering to settling down. In so settling down. And there's some um, historians that have actually written about how the Neolithic Revolution was the worst thing humans could ever have done. That if we stayed hunters and gatherers, there wouldn't be as many of us, obviously, as now. But we would still have a thriving population. We could still be the dominant species on the planet. But that settling down in spots and changing the landscape that's had such a negative effect on so many other things yeah even though it gives rise to modern society he, he, he admits that but he's saying that gives rise to like exploitation of others and stuff like you know it's a whole it's a whole catch-22 i'm sure well yeah well let's look at a pos- positive and negative but it obviously enables people to become food producers right this neolithic revolution yes so for the first time their population is really growing which they have act- extra food yeah yeah basically right which leads to more interaction among human communities but at the same time People slowly rely more on food that they grew than on hunting and gathering efforts. So they kind of almost can't survive as much in the wilderness because they're getting so cultivated and staying in one area and just relying on the food that they grow. They're not seeing those nomad populations anymore. We're talking about parts of Europe and Asia. Obviously, North America, you're seeing a little, it's a little bit different. But even then, they were still... You want to say the Native Americans um, were nomad. That's what the Plain Indians possibly were, right? Uh, debate yep. with that now too but you still had other ones that stayed in general locations that had roots in certain areas okay and then they didn't all just roam chasing buffalo that was a plain indians that wasn't necessarily ones in by the by the coastlines and stuff like that their neolithic revolution was a little bit different so when we say it, it wasn't everywhere this is mostly what we're focused on in mostly eurasia more or less yeah so that's something to keep in mind too there's different pockets of humans with different um, evolving socially different ways at this point. Well, that, yeah, it's a good point you bring up. Like their uh, Paleolithic ancestors, right? These early farmers uh, divided up the work by gender or age. So um, important differences began to emerge between them. Like it, in settled farming communities now, like men came to dominate family and economic and political life. Well, they still uh, hunted too. That's another thing too. Like a lot, men, a lot of the men still went out and hunt. Yep. They still had to do that for certain things get certain meat and stuff yeah women like didn't lose their influence either they did stuff as well but because there was such a heavy reliance on men it furthered kind of separated these communities into these social differences uh heads of families probably the older men um started forming these councils of elders they were responsible for important decisions you know went to plant harvest so on so on. there's usually like a chief that would emerge when the food was scarce uh warfare would usually increase between different yes. tribes and that's something i understand is that there was interaction between these tribes between these areas right so this group is in by this think of like the towns today right yeah like you live in a town close to mine but we're not in the same town so like we're part of different tribes but then you know if things are going good we're going to trade with each other everything's great things get bad now we got to go to war right because we got again it's competing under for those same uh same resources and also at the same time because of farming we keep on stressing this agriculture aspect these early humans started to use animals such as oxen water buffalo to plow the fields and get things ready, started creating artifacts, the weave cloth, animal, you know, using animal hair and plant for plant fibers. They started mastering the skill of making clay into pots for cooking and storage. So it essentially all starts once the early human beings settle down and decide to stop being hunters and gatherers. So once you have this Neolithic revolution, that's really where you have the beginning of first civilizations as we know them today. And they had a traditional economy. A lot of them, there's a barter system. 
um, that yeah. would be created between these different groups. You know, I just learned about life during this period from uh, different finds, such as the Iceman, which is the body of the Neolithic man that was found preserved in the snow in um, European Alps. Wasn't he um, stabbed? He was stabbed yeah, in the back. It was, yeah. yep. And it was the different all kinds of tools and belongings yeah. with him. That's what kind of gave us a lot of clues as to what was going on. Anything else? Well, I just thought there was some like interesting like facts that I saw, like as human evolved. Like one thing everyone's always gotten goosebumps, right? So like, fun facts, fun facts. Yeah, yeah, so it's fun facts. So so that body hair of all mammals, right, automatically stands up when it's cold. It creates like this like layer of warmth. All right. So when we're cold, the muscles around our hair follicles, they contract. It's a reef. This is actually a reflex that's left over from our ancestors to have longer body hair. But since we don't have that much body hair, after all, we actually see the bumps and stuff on our skin. And so I thought that was interesting. And also grandparents are unique strictly to humans. This not, not even Neanderthals had them. This gene produces like this idea that like the elderly individuals. So it seemed to be a factor in allowing grandparents to help nurture their children's children. Right, that only happens that they believe with Homo sapiens sapiens, because of our chromosome nineteen is what it's called. Okay, it only we doesn't occur in any other primates. This is some of that probably again with that social structure that we were leading. That's one reason why we have grandparents in social structures because of this chromosome nineteen, which allows that to happen. I thought that was kind of interesting. That is actually very interesting. But one thing I saw too was like why um, humans. While other primates tend to be like hairy, we're not. Why that happens? Because the warm place where ancestors have lived, the evaporation of sweat from the exposed skin was like a great benefit in cooling down the bodies. And our brains run so hot because it's always, they're always thinking and figuring stuff out. We had to cool down more. So our brains realized that, you know, staying cool is important. Less fur, less hair made the brain stay cooler. That's why when you get older, your hair falls out. So you can keep you so smart. You got to keep no. your hair cool. Yeah, so. totally. <laughs> I just want to tell everyone once I go bald. But and there's so much more with this too. We, and again, we've said this a lot. There can be a podcast just on this. You can do a podcast just on probably Neanderthals and the cave paintings and early civilizations, you know, the revolution. These are huge topics, all right? Huge, huge topics. But I think it's one that it's important to understand. If you're going to understand history and you're going to understand, you know, where we come from, this is like the beginning of that. Without this, everything else can't happen. There's no George Washington. If you don't have, you know, Cro-Magnons thousands of years before. That's just, that's, that's just what it is. You can't have all these other events that we're talking about. Can't build airplanes unless first you had these stone spearheads. So I think it's kind of like interesting to see how far you can go back and always get that information. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once more. We really do appreciate it. If you need to find us, you can find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We're there if you need to find us. Also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media. We are everywhere. You could also just find us by simply Googling us. Thank you so much, and we'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com.